Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. I have to be 100% transparent and tell you I had no idea what to expect this morning. I didn't know if we'd have a church full like we do or if it would just be me and a couple of staff. And I'm just really excited who, that you chose to spend Christmas morning with us together. I think it's significant. Um, I think that it probably won't happen again Christmas on a Sunday for another 11 years. At least that's what my youngest son told me. So do the math and if it's wrong, you can direct it to Nathan, not myself, but it's unusual. And we get to have a party for Jesus um, on Sunday and celebrate in a way that I think is just really unique. And I, I think special is really the word that I wanna stick with. And I've been studying all week uh, an outline that's in your notes and um, struggled with it a little bit because um, you know normally I've done this for a while and I kind of get the outlines down and uh, try to memorize them to where I don't have to use my notes and, and can stand up here and just talk to you and kind of gauge your feedback and look at your faces and, and uh, we can you know, have a moment, I hope, uh, spiritually that encourages and strengthens us and helps us live differently. But I just this week wasn't really, I just wasn't tracking with it. And even this morning I was sitting there going over it, memorized it, could give it to you backwards and forwards, no problem, but it just seemed a little technical to me. So if you look at your notes, you see the outline there and, and uh, you can look through it. It's important. It's significant. It's theologically accurate. But I want to talk to you this morning um, a little bit more from the heart uh, about Christmas and the significance and the meaning of the Christmas story. Perhaps to me, um, I hope perhaps to you as well. Well, as we get started, uh, just looking out, um, I see some of you guys who I know are struggling some who are suffering, some who've had loss here recently. Um, we have a church family member who lost a father this last week. Uh, we have one who lost a daughter this last week. And I know there's many uh, who are suffering. Uh, little Liam Lossie is in a hospital in Iowa City. Uh, he's struggling with a very serious brain condition. His parents were watching last night with some nurses and with Liam. And a lot of you are hurting. And I don't want me to be a downer on Christmas um, Sunday morning, but I feel like it's appropriate for us to pray um, for each other. And I want to pray for you. And you may be hurting this morning as well. You may not be. That's great. For those of us who aren't, we can pray for those who are. But I want us to be sensitive and to reach out, um, at least spiritually, to the people who are around us. You may know them, you may not know them, but many are hurting. Christmas is an emotion magnifier, amplifier. It puts our emotions under a magnifying glass. The things that we feel normally throughout the year sometimes are a little bit more exaggerated, um, extreme, powerful at Christmas. And that can be good and it can be bad. So let's pray just for a second as we get started. Father, I thank you for my friends who are here and I pray that you would give them peace and comfort and strength. For those who are suffering loss, for those who have memories um, of Christmases and times that uh, they wish they could forget, for those who have surgeries, medical conditions, procedures and things upcoming, for those who uh, are lonely for those who are struggling, for those who have family tensions, and then for those who um, really are doing pretty well right now. We're grateful and excited, enjoying the morning, and for all who may be somewhere in between. I pray for your strength and your peace, the peace that passes all human understanding, the kind of peace the Apostle Paul talks to us about that stands guard 
over our hearts in Christ Jesus. I pray that for my friends this morning, for my church, our church, your church. And I thank you for the unique opportunity to be here in this place for this hour on Christmas Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've talked for a while about the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And Luke chapter 2 is a very significant story, and I want to read the story again of Jesus' birth, but I may deviate just a little bit and just talk to you from the heart, because the angel said this was good news. Now, I 100% get the fact that many people are a little ambivalent about the news of Jesus. One of the reasons is we've heard it so much that it just has kind of lost its punch. For some, maybe you've tried what you think was Jesus or the church and you didn't think that it worked for whatever reason. And so you've slipped away blaming Jesus when in reality it probably wasn't Jesus' fault at all. I can say that with certainty. But somebody who said they were his friend or a group of people who said they know him. For some, maybe you struggle with questions. You're skeptical. You have scientific questions, historic questions, sometimes get in the way. For others, maybe it's just our own preoccupation with self, our drivenness, our desire towards self-destruction or self-fulfillment that causes us to not take this message seriously. But the angels came from heaven, God's messengers, and they said to the shepherds and in turn to us, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. They said that this was good news of great joy that will be given to all people. And so I just want to talk to you for a second, again, from the heart about what's so great about this news. Now, let me read it to you so you know we're coming from the word, and then we'll talk for just a couple minutes together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It was the first one that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now, we've read this together for now three weeks, even last night, so it should be very familiar to you. It's very important. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. Now, this is the good news. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Let's stop there. A Savior, the Messiah, Christ the Lord. So if you're a churchy like me, you know those are some trigger words where we're supposed to say, yes, amen, I agree, hallelujah, praise God, this is good news. If you're not a churchy like me, you probably don't grasp these words and they probably don't mean as much to you as perhaps they should and as the angels wanted the shepherds to understand and as I desperately want for you to understand. Jesus, this baby who was born this day, this 100% God, 100% man, coming to earth in the form of a baby, being wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, living a perfect life, never sinning, never doing anything that he needed to take back, 
taking on the sins of the world, mine and yours, ultimately dying a death he didn't deserve, rising again three days later, defeating sin, Satan, and death once and for all, this little baby, this Messiah, this Savior, Christ the Lord. So what does it mean to me? The Jews would have understood Savior because God was saving the Jews' bacon for years and years and years and years. And the Jewish people get a bad rap sometimes in the Old Testament because we see their disobedience. Now, the Old Testament is a story about the Jewish people and their relationship to God. They're God's chosen people. They were obedient like we are. They were disobedient like we are. They had moments in between like we do. And we get to watch the story of the Jewish people and the story of a faithful God. And when a Savior was mentioned in relation to Jesus, they would have understand, understood both from prophecy, but they would have also understood because for years and years, hundreds of years, God was getting the out of trouble that they had put themselves into, but yet just the same, God was rescuing them, saving them, saved them from slavery in Egypt, saved them from wandering in the desert. The stories go on and on and on, and they would have gotten the idea of Savior. But some of us, we don't get the idea of Savior. We don't understand. Why do we need a Savior? Why do we need to be saved? Some people misunderstand, and they feel like that we need to be saved because we just have an unfulfilled life. We just haven't found out exactly what it is we're looking for in life and we just need something else. And perhaps that's true, but there's more to it than that. I will attest 100% that Jesus Christ brings fulfillment in life because God created us with a hole in our soul that only God can fill. Now you can argue with me if you want, but if you look honestly at your life, you see that for the years that you've spent trying to fill that hole, you've made a lot of dumb mistakes, just like I have or would. It's there. God created it. The question is, how are you going to fill it? But salvation is so much more than just having a fulfilled life. Well, some people, they look toward Jesus and salvation and they feel they need to be saved because they have an out-of-control life. They have addictions, they have rage issues, they have things that they can't control, and they just feel like that God would be a good organizing principle, and if they put some God in their life, their husband would be nicer, their children would behave, they may get a promotion, and it's like a magic genie where you get in trouble, you rub the lamp, and God pops out and blesses you, and it's just more than that. And I will tell you without any hesitation, 53 years of experience thus far, that God allows you to break patterns, habits, character traits, to grow, to develop, to mature, for faith to become uncommon. It's true, but it's more than that. The Bible says that we were all born sinful and that we were born sinful, cursed and destined to spend an eternity in hell. We need to be saved because we were born damned and without intervention from Jesus Christ in a personal relationship, we spend eternity in separation from God. Jesus Christ, our Savior, saves us from our sin. And when we understand that and the power of that, I think that's where it should become very personal. When you look at your past, I would imagine mixed emotions come to mind. Think of the worst mistakes that you've made in your past. Maybe it's ancient past. Maybe when you think of your past and the mistakes you've made, you think of years and years and years ago. Maybe you think of yesterday. Who knows? You may be on a roll, perhaps even this morning. Well, I don't know. But all of us have a past. For some, we have great memories 
of the past, connections to times that we wish we could go back to. For some, times that we should or wish we could go back and undo or redo. The good news of Christmas and the understanding of Jesus Christ as Savior frees us from our past. The past when we were trying to find our own way. The past when we were trying to just do the best we could. The past when we decided this is who we were and we labeled ourselves. The past when perhaps you allowed an event that happened in your life to freeze you in time and never move past that and would later become your identity and your prison cell for some successes that you may have in life. And you look back and you hang on to those successes and label yourself as a success, as having arrived. Because after all, not everybody has an unfulfilled life. Not everybody has problems that are out of control, but everybody has the issue of sin, of lostness, of the need for a savior. And as I'm thinking about very personally the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus frees me from myself and the experiments, both good and bad, of the past. There are things that you guys have done probably that you cannot forgive yourself for, but Jesus forgives. And you say to me, Pastor, there's no way Jesus would forgive me if he knew what I've done or thought or said. And I would gently, lovingly, in an encouraging way, pull you in and say, if you confess your sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Your past can be gone in the past. We need a savior. I think about this good news of the savior of Jesus Christ and I think about my present, not the present that I'll get later under the tree, but the present moment. The present is really important because you are only guaranteed this minute now. There's very little you can do about what happened at breakfast, except perhaps go back and apologize. Very little you can control about what will happen tomorrow except maybe plan wisely. But what you can do is be fully present in this moment right now. And let me tell you from a very personal, in a very personal way or from a very personal level, how being saved and having a personal relationship with Jesus allows you to be at peace in this moment. Realizing that as the Jews and the angels mention the word peace, what they mean is peace with God which in turn brings peace with one another. That this salvation that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can truly give you peace where you can be still and not just know you're fine, but you can know you're who you're supposed to be. That you have a relationship with the God who created you who has a plan for you and who's going to do something amazing through you if you let him. Doesn't matter if you feel unfulfilled or out of control. God's bigger than that. I also think about the future. The future is what stresses me out personally. 
because I like to control things and I can't control the future. We're getting ready to round the corner into a new year. And can I share with you something that you know, something I know, but saying it out loud kind of freaks us out just the same. We have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in 2023 and no control over it at all. So we can fight and scramble to do things, to try to control the people and situations in our lives, to give us an illusion that maybe we're in charge. Or we can relax and realize that this Jesus that the angels talked about, through a personal relationship with him, guarantees us that not only we should have confidence in the fact that he controls the future, but that we can literally not have to worry about it. What happens in 2023? Who cares? Now, we care because we're responsible, right? But ultimately, God cares. In fact, the Bible tells us that we can cast our cares on him, and he will do the caring for us. And the powerful picture in Scripture within this passage is literally like if I knew you were more preoccupied with detail and kept lists and, and really good at getting stuff done, very administrative. I'm not so much, right? And so I hire you. I say, look, would you take $5,000 a week and would you do all my worrying for me? Would you keep my to-do list of concerns? Would you make sure that all the things that I obsess over or that keep me up at night, would you make sure that you're on top of that stuff and that you're really making, I mean, and I can just say, I've paid somebody to, to take care of it. Wouldn't that be amazing? I don't have to worry about it. Well, literally, the Bible tells us that we don't have to worry about it, that God keeps the list, controls the variables, has all of the information, and he's paid the price to have that relationship with us. And we tell him we want to pay, and he says you can't pay because salvation is a free gift of eternal life that comes from Jesus Christ the Lord. And so when I think about the past, I think about the present, when I think about the future, and then I think about the angels' words to the shepherds and to the rest of us, I see it as good news because I've experienced it. I wonder if you have. Because to be able to experience this good news and to live this kind of way, we have to fast forward in Jesus' life just a few years, about 30 to be approximate, but closer to exact, when he called his first disciples and offered them this kind of life. Now, they were skeptical, just like you may be. And Jesus said, look, you don't have to know everything, just follow me. And the Bible specifically says that these men, and most likely the families that they had, even though they had questions, even though some had doubts, even though some struggled and wrestled with their past, even though some had situations, jobs, and lifestyles that they knew would have to be changed in the present, even though some of these men and women knew that their futures may be different. The Bible says that they put down what they were doing 
and they chose to follow Jesus. And by choosing to follow Jesus, by confessing the fact that they had sinned, we've sinned. One sin, 10 sins, a million sins, doesn't matter. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we confess our sin, we agree with God, and we say, I've tried to run my own life, and you know what, I'm not great at it. And God's like, I know. I created you to be great at it, but only with me. We confess. And we say, I believe who Jesus is. This gift that came at Christmas in the form of a little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger with humility and purpose. But he didn't stay a baby. He grew up and fixed everything. I mean, there's a lot of questions I have, but I believe, okay, I'm in. And we very simply say, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I want to find this different and new way. This is what I want from now on. We tell God that, and God changes everything. You say, well, how do I tell God that? And if you ask that, that's a great question. Because we make prayer weird. I don't know if you've been around people who make prayer weird, but sometimes they use very complicated words. Sometimes they string together very complicated phrases. Sometimes they sound like they're on a stage somewhere performing for an audience, trying to perhaps impress God or unlock some kind of magic relationship when he hears the correct word or string of words, and it's just not. The beautiful thing about being created by God for God and for this personal relationship, and this is what I want you to hear, I want you to hear this very clearly, that God has installed in you when he formed you in your mother's womb the ability to communicate with him. And you may not see it, and you may not know that it's there, but it's one of the parts of being human. And a prayer is just a thought. It's a thought directed toward God. Now, it can be out loud. It can be with people. It can be by yourself. But it's just a directed thought toward God. And God has installed in you the ability to hear from him if you listen. So here's my challenge uh, to you and my challenge to me this Christmas morning. If you've never established, started, began this relationship with Jesus of uncommon faith, would you do it today? You may not understand everything. You may still have some doubts. You might be a little bit concerned about some of the changes that may happen down the road. But if you sense it and you feel it deep within right now, would you just say yes to Jesus? It's that simple. And number two, for those of us who've said yes to Jesus at some point in our life but decided we're not going to live like it, why don't we decide that we're going to live like it and make 2023 the best year ever? Well, we know the story because we've read it for three weeks now, working on four. But I want to finish reading this story to you. And we're going to close our time this morning. And I trust, I hope that you've heard from God, that you're leaning in and that you have the courage this Christmas morning to say yes.
Can we go back to the Christmas, Luke chapter 2? So Joseph went up. Oh, (laughs) I'll start. Uh Uh-oh. I surprised him. You know what? I'm just going to pray for you. You've heard the story. I surprised him. I'll, I'll tell you, I told you, I, I told you I was going to speak to you from the heart today, right? It's just family. We're just family. And um, last night we did the whole Christmas story. And um, today I just have the first half of the Christmas story in the slides. And so when I just told our, our tech team, let's do the second half of the Christmas story, they weren't ready for that. That's my fault. But you know it, right? You know what happens. The Bible says that the shepherds, they heard the angels, what the angels had told them, that the shepherds took off. And I believe the shepherds took off running in the most direct and straight route possible. And the Bible says that when they got there, they found the baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And very specifically, Luke tells us that it was exactly like God had said it would be. So the shepherds responded in the same way that you and I respond. We go and we live a different way. The Bible says that they went and they told people who would listen and begin to live their lives a different way. And then the Bible says that Mary, she slipped away and she treasured these things in her heart and she worshiped. So that's what we'll do this morning. When we slip away from here, you and I can treasure these things in our heart and we can worship. Thank you so much for being here and investing this hour together in something like this on this special Christmas morning. Father, thank you for my friends.